Well, good morning. I want to thank you all for your praise and support of our ministry at the jail. As Dan mentioned, uh, I've been there 27 years. I got saved in that jail. I was an inmate there back in 1985. Um, best thing that ever happened to me was going to jail. Uh, they don't give you a Bible in school, but if you go to jail, they give you one. Isn't that great? I mean, that's the thinking of the world today, you know, but uh, that's where I picked up a Bible. At 28 years old, never went to church, knew nothing about God, couldn't care less. The only thing I knew about Jesus was when you got mad, you said his name. That's all I knew growing up. I, I didn't know nothing. And, uh, but when I was in jail uh, for a crime that involved uh, drunk driving and death, uh, I hit a police officer directing traffic. And he was a friend of mine. He was probably the nicest cop in the whole city of Brockton. Everybody loved John Gilbert. And um, I never saw him. It was dark, it was raining, I was out of it, and um, when I woke up the next day and realized it was him, uh, I, was, I was just devastated. And he was on a machine at the hospital, and it was eight days later, I got a call from my, I was at my girlfriend's house, I got a call from my buddy that I ran and drank with, and, he called me up and said, uh, Danny, Sully, I said, yes, Sully, what's up? And he said, uh, listen to me. And he always said that when he had something important. I said, yeah, I'm listening. And he paused, and, and he said, you better sit down. And I knew he was going to say, and I just screamed, no. And he said, yeah, Danny, yeah, Danny's gone. They... One of the cops we drank was red, just came in the bar and said they announced it over the radio and they pulled the plug and he's gone. So here I am, put the phone down, fall back on the couch, crying like a little child because I had killed a man that I had never meant to hurt in my life. He had a wife, two children, and um, like I say, I was devastated. And uh, a cop friend of ours came to the house and said, come on, I know a good lawyer, you want this guy. And me and my father went and retained this lawyer and... He entered a not guilty plea when I knew I was guilty, but he said, uh, we just need some time to cool this down, otherwise they're going to hang you, so just trust me. So we uh, would go to court, be continued, go to court, be continued, go to court, be continued. And then two weeks short of a year, we finally go to court. The DA's late. So my lawyer walks into the judge's chamber and simply says, we don't have a case. I mean, here it is, the, all the arrows point at Dan, he's pretty clear cut and dry. And, uh, and then by this time in my life, uh, after a year or so, I, I, I knew I was guilty. I, I know I'm going to take a ride. And um, the judge said, my lawyer, well, I'll, if you want to change his plea, I'll consider county time. So he came back and told me that, and I didn't know what he was talking about. So he said, well, the DA is looking at five to seven state time, but if they give you county time, the most you can get is two and a half years. I said, you know what, I just want to get this over with. Just, just plead guilty. I just want to, I just want to do my time and, and go home and uh, try to live again because I can't, I can't get this heavy burden of guilt and shame uh, off my shoulders. So, so I uh, pleaded out, was sentenced, and, and like I said, I go to jail and somebody gives me a Bible. And I'm living with this guilt and shame and... And I started reading the Bible. It was a New Testament, so I just began with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and I just fell in love with Jesus. 
I mean, these guys going around touching blind people they see, deaf people hear, lame people walk, winds and seas obey him, and I'm like, wow, this this is awesome. This makes more sense than the monkey story. Uh, and, and I was just falling in love with him. But when he started talking about sin, it started getting really hot in there because I'm realizing, yikes, uh, don't lie, don't steal, don't, you know, I've done all these things. I've done all of these things all my whole life. And then it read, these will be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I'm a little slow, so uh, I'm thinking about it, and I'm, I'm thinking, I, I think he's talking about hell. And so they call chapel Sunday morning in the jail, and I go up the little stairs with these eight, seven, eight guys in this little chapel, and the guy's preaching Jesus, and I'm listening. And when he's done, I kind of walk up to him, and I say, Chaplain, I'm in trouble. He said, what's the matter? I remember reading this book, and, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of these sins. And it says, Jesus said they're going to be casting out of darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. I said, are we talking about hell? He said, yes, we are. You need to be saved. And when he said that, the officer was looking at me, trying to get the guys back, and he kind of motioned his head, like, come on. And the chap said, wait a minute. He said, do you believe Jesus died for your sins? I said, yeah, look at I believe that, but look at uh, I'm 28 years old. I've been doing this all my life. i got a lot of sins. He said, Jesus Christ died once and for all for the sins of the world. When you go back to your cell, you get on your knees, and you say, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe Jesus died on that cross for my sins. I believe he was buried, he rose again, and I want you to come into my life. And I went back to my cell, and I did that like all day long. Because uh, up until this moment, you know, I pretty much measured myself on the horizontal. You know, um, if people said, you know, you're a sinner, this and that, and I said, you know, I've done some bad things, but I'm not as bad as Danny. (laughs) Definitely ain't as bad as Brian, you know. So I'm a pretty good person, you know. But uh, when I measured myself on the vertical, and saw Christ as he's portrayed in sacred scripture, I realized how far short I missed the mark. And again, I asked him in my life, and all, and my life started changing. I'm, I'm reading the Bible. I'm in love with the Bible. I'm reading it all the time. I don't even go out of my cell. I just love reading this thing. It was like it's just truth, truth, truth. You know, this world, you're just conned your whole life. You know, you you told early on there's a tooth fairy, there's a Santa Claus, we came from monkeys, and it's like, uh, and, and there's no truth, and that's what everyone is starving for. And me and you have it. We got the, the living uh, word of God, He is the truth, the way, the truth, and life. We got the written word of God, Thy word is truth, and, and here we are, you know, with this truth, and there's a lost world all around us going to hell because they're looking for something and they don't know what it is and it's the truth it's the truth so uh, that's when I trusted the Lord in jail and just grew in Christ did a lot of Bible studies and uh, then later on I got out in a good Bible believing church got involved in a lot of ministries felt God's call on my life and applied for a scholarship uh, that's only available for inmates. There's one, and uh, it's for guys that have done time. I applied. I was accepted. And so I went to college and studied Bible and theology, and 
I knew I wanted to serve God. I didn't know how, but I was there in college, and um, my sophomore year, the chaplain from the jail called me up. You know, we stayed in contact. He, you know, led me to the Lord, baptized me, married me, mentored me, and uh, I called him up, and we talked on the phone, and, and he said, you know, they built a new jail back here. Because the one I was in was bad. It had cat roaches, rats. It was, it was real. They condemned it, but there was no place to put the inmates, so we had to stay there, you know. So um, he says, yeah, this, is, this jail is it's four times as big as the old jail. There's not a cockroach in sight. I said, you're kidding me. And, and uh, he, so he's describing this thing. It like, sounds like heaven. And, uh, and he says um, that they want me to go on full time. I said, well, that's awesome. He says, yeah, but I can't do this. You know, I'm getting too old for this stuff. I got a church on the outside. Um, we got gangbangers. Uh, you know, we need some young blood here. And he said, that's what I called about. I want you to pray about coming back here and being a chaplain when you finish school. And I said, oh, all right. Okay, all right. So I hung up the phone, told Kim, because I didn't know what I was going to do. All I know is I want to serve God. I don't know if I'm going to be a missionary, professor, teacher, you know, Sunday school. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just want to serve God. So um, I pray about it, finish school. Um... I get uh, ordained. I go to an ordination council, felt the calling on my life. So my doctoral statement, they confirmed that you are called, and I was ordained. And, and then uh, he gave me, got me, flew me back and gave me an interview with the sheriff. And um, the sheriff says, I understand you're the man for the job. The chaplain speaks very highly of you. I understand you'll be faith-funded. I looked at Bob. He said, I'll explain that to you. <laughs> and so uh, I get the job. So I walk out of the office, and I ask him, so what's this faith-funded thing? And he said, remember I told you how to trust the Lord? Yeah, I said, yeah, you always said that. He said, well, this is where you got to trust the Lord. See, they don't have any money. I said, so I just got a job. I'm living with mom and dad. I got four kids. I just got a job, and they don't have any money? He said, God's going to provide for you. I said, you're serious? And he never lied to me. So he says, yeah. He said, God's going to take care of you. And I'm, I'm like dumbfounded. like, but okay. I mean, this guy's never lied to me. He's always told me the truth. And, uh, and so he says, you preach the next Sunday. I said, I am. He says, I said, what am I going to say? He said, well, you're going to tell your story, and you're going to uh, tell him what you're going to do at the jail and stuff. I said, okay. So I, so I do that, and after the message, all the people come up, shake your hand, and put a check in your pocket, and this and that. And I go home, and he's like, wow, I got all this money. I'm like, what the... You know, you gotta be kidding me. And so, uh, in this passage, you gotta have this guy at your church. So I go to this church, and then they say, you gotta go to this guy at your church. So you go to all these churches, and all of a sudden, I got all my supports raised. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, it's just what he said. And, and uh, that's so I've been doing that for 27 years, and uh, I believe I'm right where God wants me to be. I mean, I was seeking his will for 11 years after I came to faith, and his will was, you know where you get saved? I want you to go right back there. And, uh, and it's great. You know, what I love about working in the jail is you don't get to spend a lot of time. Excuse me, sir, do you know you're a sinner? You don't get to do that in jail. They know they're sinners. <laughs> it gets better. You don't have to say, do you know you're going to hell? They know that. They know they're going their way to hell. All I do is bring the good news. And not everybody, but some jump on. And not only do I get to lead them to the Lord, but you got them for one, two, three, five years, and you get to disciple them and teach them. Because that's what he said. He said, you know, we don't just go out and say the prayer. No, you disciple them. You teach them. 
And uh, so it's been a great blessing. I've seen a lot of really bad boys, hitmen, murderers, leg breakers, you name some of my best friends. I had leg breakers, been hell's angels, babysitting my children. I mean, the, God changed them, I mean, dramatically. And I get to watch this, and I'm telling you, I, sometimes I, I, I shake my head and display, I, say, I, can't, I don't believe I'm getting paid to do this. You know, I mean, you see some of the most rotten, evil people in the world all of a sudden become God-fearing and the most respectable citizens in society. You know, like I say, this lake breaker, uh, he's like my best friend. Uh, he'd do anything for me. You know, I need Biles. How much, Danny? You know, uh, and he's just so grateful that Jesus died for his sins and he could start over again. And we should all be, Amen. You know, one note uh, before I begin our message here, uh, on that note about prayer and corporate prayer, uh, somebody said this to me not long ago. You can steal this. Uh, but I, I, he said, if you want to know how popular a church is, go to the Sunday morning service. If you want to know how popular the pastor is, go to the Thursday night Bible study. But if you want to know how popular Jesus is, Go to the Wednesday night Bible study. It's a little thoughtful, isn't it? That's what we're talking. We're talking about not religion, a relationship. Where we talk to our Father, who art in heaven. Amen? Amen. You can write that one down. That's a good one. All right, so I wanted to, it's Christmas, all right? We, we're celebrating the birth. All these songs you picked right in line with my message. In fact, half your, your introduction was part of my message, so <laughs> I can skip that part, all right? But let's pick it up in Luke 2. You can steal it. <laughs> yeah. You do. Here's how you do it. You know, Dan and I have been around for a while, so here's how you do it. The first time you give credit, you know, Pastor Dan said this. The next time you say it, well, I've heard it said, you know, and you give it this. The third time you say, well, I've always believed, you know. <laughs> so, all right, Luke's account, uh, chapter 2, verse 8. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory... Of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so it was when the angel had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. And found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. 
And all who heard it marveled, were astonished at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the Lord's returned, glorifying and praising God. You bet they did for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Again, it comes to pass in the same region, in the same country. So you need to back up a little bit about what happens. Again, it's tax time. Every, the Jews are all flocking to Jerusalem to uh, sign up to pay their, their taxes and all this and to be registered, verse 5, Mary, um, his betrothed wife, Joseph goes down with his Mary's wife, then who was with child. And so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. You know, I was, I think I told you last time I was here, I, I was taught in jail, no Bible, no breakfast, no breakfast all right? If you're going to learn anything today, go home with this. No Bible, no breakfast. You need to begin the day with God. Because it's stuff happens. Can I get an amen? amen? And if you begin the day with God, just remember, nothing's going to happen that you and God can't handle together, right? But if you try it alone, I'm telling you, it's, it's a horror show. It, it, it is. So no Bible, no breakfast. I do this every day faithfully since I was taught it, and I still teach it, but... While I was chewing on this passage one morning, um, and I read that part that, you know, the baby's born in swaddling clothes in a manger. Why? Because there's no room for them in the end. You know, that stuck with me, and I sat there thinking, and, and I almost was in a rage, you know, and, and I, as I was thinking, it was like, you mean to tell me that a couple thousand years ago, there wasn't one man in that inn that would see a pregnant lady ready to deliver and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, lady, you can, you can have my room. I'll go out there. I mean, that's how I was brought up. My dad uh, was a man of few words, and he would tell you once or twice, but after that, you'd hear that. Anybody remember that sound, the bell coming out of the loops? All right. That's how I was brought up. All right. Now, if I was in a room in an inn having, uh, sleeping on a night, and there was a woman next door in a barn having a baby. And my dad found out. I'll tell you how it would have went. I would have come in the house. He would have been in the living room. Danny, get in here. And I would go in there. And, and the bell would already be coming out. He'd say, did you have a nice sleep in the, in the in last night? Yeah. And there's a lady having a baby in the barn. Is that what happened? Yeah, dad. Yeah. Here's how it would have went. If a pregnant woman comes in to... That's how, that's how it would have went. That's how, that's how it would have went down. But you know, son, I would have remembered. I would have remembered, and I would have never, ever forgot that. Never. I got some beatings from my dad. My dad wasn't into beating people, but just so you know, I earned, I earned every spanking I got, believe me. I was wild and I was crazy, just like him. And, uh, and I earned all my spankings, but I learned. One of his sayings was, ladies first. That would have fell on the ladies first, that, that episode. 
So, like I said, he didn't say a lot, but he, he would tell you. He'd give you a couple of warnings, but then it was like, you know, you're going to learn this if I get to beat it into you. Anyway, I thought about it, and then I said, well, you know, maybe, maybe Joseph Mary come late at night. It's 1, 2 in the morning. Maybe everybody's sleeping. Maybe nobody knows this. You know, so this is, that's possible. But anyway, out in the shepherd, out in the same country here, there's these shepherds in the field, and they're watching their flock by night. You know, it amazes me that the first people to hear the proclamation that God is here, or the Christ or the Messiah, as the Jews were looking for, they were the first ones to hear. Do you realize that? You know, the shepherds were not the brightest bulbs in the bunch. You with me? It doesn't take a lot of brains to watch sheep, uh, lead them to water, and have them eat grass. Um, but that's how God works. You know, I don't know if you, anybody who's familiar with 1 Corinthians one twenty six, where Paul writes to the church, For consider your calling, brothers and sisters, there were not many wise, not many mighty, but God has chosen the foolish and the weak. I mean, that, and, and that's how he does it. Now, I'm just glad I'm one of the dumbbells, you know, that uh, he's, those are, you know, he does save some wise, uh, but not many, not many. And these were the first to hear about God coming to earth. Um, again, he tells the shepherds, I, I thought about it. I said, you know, if I was God and I was going to come down, you know, I think I'd come down in a gold-laced chariot, you know, and uh, arrive on the scene and... Tell Herod, Caesar, and all the other clowns, I want to see him now. You know, I mean, it, that would probably be my, my entry. But no, he comes as a little baby, and he tells his angels, I want you to go tell the shepherds, you know. Um, like I say, I, I just made it through high school through the skin of my teeth. I actually made it through the dummy program where you went to school from 8 to 12, and then you went to work and got credits. That's how they kept you in school. And, uh, and I did. I graduated through that. But, uh, and only because of uh, my dad. I remember ninth grade, I came home with all Fs on my report card. It was, Danny, get in here. <laughs> and he shared that report card. What's this? And it was all Fs except a D in math. I uh, skipped math all year, but I showed up at the final and aced it, so I got a D. But... He said, what's this? I said, Dad, take it easy. You know, and I, when I turn 16, I'm going to quit anyway. That was not the right answer. <laughs> he grabbed me, uh, lifted me up off the ground and said, I got news for you, Danny. You might be old and gray, but you're going to graduate. You know, uh, my dad didn't finish school, so he had to work three jobs. And he always said, I want you to be a better man than me. He must have said that a thousand times. Because he realized he messed up. He's got to work all out, you know, all morning, day, night. And uh, his friends only had to work, you know, one job. And they got the two-car garage and everything else. And so he said, you're going to finish school. Don't you ever, ever skip school, you know. And, and that's uh, how I grew up. You know, what's funny about it was I got called late in life, the age of 35. I went to college. And I graduated at 39, and I was a little old. I was a little gray. 
and he drove 1,000 miles one way to watch me walk through the line and get my diploma. But that's what God does. He chooses people. I mean, I work in a jail where people are, many of them never finish school. You know what the median grade level is for guys in prison? The median grade level completed? I, I had to do a lot of books and writing in school, and most of them were on prisons, and so I wrote this paper, and one of the books I read was eighth grade. And you know when it was written? 1955. I don't think it's gotten any better. But God chooses these people and gives them his spirit, opens their eyes, and draws them, or actually drags them to himself. And so these, again, these shepherds are the first to hear. It was kind of funny that the shepherd comes down and tells the shepherds that uh, the Christ has come the one you've been waiting for. And the first words are, again, uh, the angel of the Lord stood before them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Again, imagine it's a dark night, and all of a sudden, wham, it's lightened up, like, whoa. And here's this angel, you know, proclaiming, and it says they were greatly afraid. You bet they were afraid. You know, you know what's interesting? Every time an angel pops on the scene, the first words out of his mouth are what? Don't be afraid. Every single time. It must be scary. It's got to be scary. They talk about the cherubs. They got two wings. And then they talk about the seraphs that have six wings. And every time the people are scared, they fall on their face like dead people, uh, it's, it's got to be frightening. And again, don't, they're greatly afraid. And he says, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to all the people. You know, Christmas is tomorrow. It's going to come and go like it does year after year after year after year. And many, many, I said many, are going to miss the boat. They have no idea what it's all about. You know, I celebrated Christmas for 28 years in the world. I had no idea about Jesus. I had no idea what it was about. All I knew was you got gifts and you gave gifts, and it was party time. That was pretty much it. And that's pretty much what everybody in this world is thinking of. They are clueless. They are clueless that it's the day we celebrate God himself coming down, taking on flesh, and revealing himself to his creation. And ultimately, going to a cross to bleed and die and pay in full for the sins of the world. That whosoever, believing in him, will not perish but have, not might have, I said have, eternal life. That's what it's all about. And everyone misses the boat year after year after year it's about Jesus and the eternal life that is in Christ you know when I was little I remember my uh, grandparents dying and 
you know, we were told, you know, Nina Manjo died, Nina Manjo's not going to be around anymore, Nina Manjo's passed away, and we didn't know what death was, we were just little kids, you know, so, and we go around and we never see her again. And then next year it was Papa Cross died, you know, he's not going to be around anymore, passed away, and again, we're just sitting there dumbfounded, like, uh, you know, we don't know what they're talking about, we know what death is. And only months later his wife dies, and, and now around 10, 11, I start realizing, you know, wait a minute, means one day Danny Cross ain't going to be around anymore. And I began thinking at this tender young age, I really thought this, I was thinking, wait a minute, time out. I didn't even ask to be born. And here I am, and they tell me, you're going to die. It was almost like that uh, Charlotte Swebb, though. The pig finds out he's going to be lunch one day. Um... <laughs> You know, I started realizing, you know, wait a minute. We we're all born, and sooner or later, we start seeing people disappear, and sooner or later, this great light shines down on Mount Marblehead, and you realize, you know, we're not going to be here forever. We're going to die. So what's it all about? And I thought, but if there is a God, you know, would they really make a people, would you really make people to live 70, 80, 90, 100 years, and then put them in the ground? Is that really all there is? Is that really all is what it's all about? There's got to be something more. Can I get an amen? amen. It's got to be. It's got to be. And thank God Jesus comes down and tells us that there is. That this, this life, yeah, it's short and sweet. Yeah, don't hold on to it too tight. But the next one will be forever. Either here or down there. And there's nothing in between. It is appointed unto man to die once. After this comes the judgment. So the angel says again, I bring you good tidings of a great joy. A savior. A savior. For today is born for you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. If people only knew that they needed to be saved, you know that? If they only knew, if they only knew. I, I read the Bible again, 28 years old in jail, and I knew right off the bat, I am in big trouble, man. It looks like I'm going to burn forever. And when I started realizing what, who Jesus is, what he did, and, and that he purchased my salvation with his blood, he took away all my sins, all of them, he paid for them, it's like... That's good news. Can I get an amen? That's a good news that we need to share with others. Again, if people only knew that they needed to be saved. You know, there's a story. H.A. Uh, Ironside's got really good stuff, uh, illustrations. He wrote this illustration about, you know, being saved, how important it is. He says, pioneers were making their way across one of the central states to a distant place that had been opened up for homesteading. They traveled in covered wagons, and the progress was slow. One of the reasons is we're waist-high, deep in grass, all right? It's dry grass, waist-high, and it's not moving too quick, all right? And one day, they were horrified. They're, getting, they're going across this great plain. That's all you can see is waist-high grass for miles, this way, that way, this way. And one day, they were horrified to see a long, a long line of smoke in the west, and soon the dried grass was burning fiercely 
and it was coming toward them rapidly. And they had crossed a river the day before, but it would be impossible to go back to that before the flames would be upon them. Only one man seemed to have an understanding as to what could be done. He gave the command to set fire to the grass behind them. Again, the wind's blowing towards them. He said he threw a match behind them, and within seconds, 80 feet leveled. And then he, after the space was burned, he had the whole company back up on the burnt grass as the flames were roaring toward them from the west. A little girl cried out in terror, Are you sure we shall not all be burned up? And the leader replied, My child, the flames cannot reach us here, for we are standing where the fire has been. What a picture of the believer in Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. He took our punishment. He took our beating. He took our punishment. He shed his blood, and he died and paid for our sins. And those who are in him have no fear of the wrath of God or hell damnation. The fires of God's judgment burned themselves out on Jesus. And all who were in Christ are safe forever. For they now stand where the fire has been. Can I get an amen? Amen. If people only knew that they needed a Savior. Again, the good news is the Savior has been born in the city of David. And it's a good news we can't keep for ourselves. You can't keep it for yourself. You've got to share it. Christmas is the best opportunity to explain to others the reason for the season. Can I get an amen? You know, you probably heard it everywhere you go, happy holidays. I don't buy that. No, Merry Christmas. Right back in your face, like it or not, I don't care. You know? Merry Christmas. That's what it's all about. I mean, it took me years to learn that. And I, and I, and I want to tell everybody. Because that's why he came came for two reasons. One, he put flesh on so he could reveal himself. The other was to bleed and die. Because God made the rules. The wages of sin is death. So he said, I will die for them. That's the good news. That's the gospel. People have a hard time sharing that with people. Let me tell you something. You don't have to begin talking to someone about Jesus and the gospel. You can start off with important things like the price of tea in China. But sooner or later, you know, it can get to spiritual things. That's how it works. I walk into the jails in the unit, see a guy that uh, is sitting there moaning, groaning. You can see tears, eyes in his eyes. He's going to lose his, his truck, his house, his job, his family. And I say, hey, how you doing, man? You don't look so hot. He said, no, I'm not. That's what... Well, I'm the chaplain. Where are you with God? Not where I should be. I said, what's going on? And I listened to him. I let him pour his heart out. And then at some point, Jesus comes into the picture. Why don't you come to Bible study? When is it? You know, and you introduce him and they come. 
That's the good news. We need to share that. Again, I just thought Christmas was just about getting gifts and giving gifts from each other. And that's all it was for years. That's all I knew as a kid. You know, it's about him. Can I get an amen? amen. His birthday. Let me see if I can pick on someone. Any kids in here? You're way too young, but... That one there with the red hair, what's your name? Lucas. Lucas. All right, Lucas, let's uh, imagine today was your birthday, and after the service, we meet and greet, shake hands, and we're going in there to have some food, and then all of a sudden, everybody screams, Happy birthday, Lucas! All right? And there's a whole bunch of gifts over in the corner, and Pastor Dan walks up and gets a gift and walks right past you and gives it to Brian. And then Brian goes up and gets another gift, walks right past you, and gives it to Dave. How long would it take for you to realize there's something wrong with this picture? How long would it take you? <laughs> Not too long, right? <laughs> you know. The gifts that we give and get, they're all reminders, or supposed to be reminders, of the greatest gift of all. Can I get an amen? amen. From God to us. The gift of eternal life, which again, the Bible says, is in Christ. That's what it's all about. And what do you think Jesus would want if we were to give him a present? Any ideas? Anything pop to mind? Love. Love. Heart and mind. Heart and mind is good. Our soul. That's good. These are all correct. How about we just say the whole package? (laughs) He doesn't just want your heart. He wants the whole package. So bad that he would send his son to bleed and die for you. That's how much you mean to him. Some of you need to chew on that. That's how much you mean to him. That's what he wants. In fact, I'll give you a tip from Scripture. We'll close. Go to John 17, the high priestly prayer, and notice what Jesus says here. And this, I have to give credit to him because I'm, it's the first time I used it. After that, I'll say I've always heard and always believed. But John Piper wrote this. You want to know what Jesus wants in this prayer, this chapter where he prays, the whole chapter is about him praying to his Father. The climax of his prayer is going to be found in verse 24. So we'll just cut to the chase. John 17, verse 24 Notice what Jesus wants. If you want to know what he wants for his birthday, here it is. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, talking about Christians, that they may be with me where I am and that they may see my glory which you have given me. You know, John 
Piper commented on this and said, sometimes we hear people say that God created man because he was lonely. So they say God created us so that we would be with him. Does Jesus agree with this? Well, he does say that he really wants us to be with him. But why? Consider the rest of the verse. To see my glory that you, Father, have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. His prayer is for all those that God has given him will be with him. And there was only one thing in the way, something called sin. And until he takes care of that, it ain't happening. There can be no sin in the presence of a holy God. So he goes to a cross. And even before he goes, he prays in a garden if there's any other way, sweating drops of blood. If there's any other way, if this cup can pass before me, uh, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Yes, yeah, sin has to be punished. Just a little trick question here. Does God forgive sin or punish sin? The answer is B. He punishes sin. That's why Jesus had to come down, take on flesh, and take our punishment. Sin has to be punished. He took our punishment and shed his blood so we could live. And when you think about this day that we celebrate tomorrow, again, I'm, I'm sure you'll be happy to get gifts and see the joy of the gift you gave and all that and everything. Just try to always remember the focus, though. The greatest gift of all was Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life is in who? Christ our Lord. And God so loved, he gave us his son. Father, thank you. Thank you again for you, for your son, for your spirit, for your word, for your mercy, for your grace, for your love, for your kindness, your compassion upon us, Lord. We certainly don't deserve it. We know what we deserve. But we are so grateful for your grace, Lord. And we want to share it with others. Help us to be mindful that whenever we see someone who's hurting or doesn't know they're hurting, to help them see and share with them the greatest gift of all, your son and the eternal life that is in him. We ask this with grateful hearts in the name of your son, Jesus, in accordance with your will. Amen.